this morning. I appreciate the singing, Miss Dot. That was... Uh, amen, I know you do, hon. Absolutely. Amen. That attitude right there is what we need. Uh, Miss Dot, how old are you? Eighty-five. Eighty-five and a burning desire to do more for the Lord. Glory. Glory to you. She's still kicking, but just not high. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's good. Amen. I, I definitely appreciate the, the singing this morning and uh, what pastor's... Uh, He's, he's in glory now, preacher John Tidd. He, it was his favorite song, The Lighthouse. And he, he loved that song. And uh, praise the Lord, I love it too. Now, if you got a Bible this morning, uh, we're going to be in the, the 19th chapter of the book of Luke. Uh, Luke chapter number 19. Uh, burning in my bones this morning to deliver what God has laid on our hearts. Uh, I told you Wednesday, if you happen to be here Wednesday, that God had placed on my heart, and if he allowed me to preach it, I was going to preach on don't miss the move. And um, it was apparent to me all week as I prayed that God continued to pull me back to Luke chapter number 19 and would not let me leave this portion of Scripture. I was really... Uh, I was really hoping to preach it on Palm Sunday, uh, but God said now is the time. Uh, so we're just going to follow the Lord this morning and uh, preach what he has given us. Uh, so Luke uh, chapter number 19, let me continue to say pray for Miss Mandy as she um, is with her dad and continues to care for him. Um, he is up and down like a roller coaster. He does good, he does bad, he does good, he does bad, but he is in, she is in need of prayer for she is battling this, uh, a lot of it on her own. And uh, so you pray for her and lift her up to the Lord. Pray God give her some strength in this time of her life. Okay, Luke chapter 19, verse number 41 is where I'm going to uh, begin uh, reading. Uh, 19 verse 41 notice with me what the word of God has to say and this is Jesus speaking here it says now as he drew near he saw the city and he wept over it saying if you had known even you especially in this your day the things that make your peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you. They will surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground, 
And they will not leave you one stone upon another. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. I want you to pay close attention to two important things that takes place in this scripture. First of all, I want you to notice this, that Jesus said, if you got the New King James Version, verse 42, he says, especially in this, your day. And then in verse number 44, he says that you did not know the time of your visitation. Everything that takes place in between here is because the people of God missed what God was going to do. This morning, with God helping me, I want to not preach, but I want to sound out a warning to the people of God. Don't miss the move. Don't miss what God is doing. Let's go to Him in prayer this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, I humble myself as Your servant today. I pray today that you would loosen things and unbind things that are bound. I pray, God, that you would uh, push those forces back that want to come against us and try its best to hinder the service. God, you said we wrestle not against blood, but principalities and high places, that of evil and that of the devil. God, I pray today in Jesus' name that you would, you would take hold of them. God, give us liberty to preach for the next little while. And God, we pray for the people of God who set out today in this congregation, Lord. I pray, uh, Lord, that you would speak to them. God, help them to see what they need to see. Help them, God, never to take their eyes off of Jesus and miss what he's doing. God, I pray today that you would just uh, give us a spirit of discernment, God, as we uh, preach your word. Help us to keep it all within context of, of what you've spoken to us about. Uh, and God, help us just, God, to preach what you'd have us preach. Have your way, Jesus. We'll praise you for what takes place. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Here in this portion of Scripture... We have some very powerful words that have been recorded of Jesus. But notice we've also got some very, very sad words that is recorded of Jesus. The most powerful things we see is this, that the God of, our, the, God of the universe weeps. Boy, that's powerful. I'm glad to know today that I have a God that I serve who sits uh, on the throne and He is a God that is compassionate toward us. I'm glad to know that He is full of mercy and He's full of grace. Uh, and when He sees uh, His children in desperate need of trouble, He moves on them with compassion. I'm glad to know I don't 
serve a God that has an iron fist that comes down on me every time I mess up, every time I fall. I'm glad I have a God today who is a merciful, loving God, a caring God who is connected and not disconnected from where I'm at, but he's intimate about me and he loves me and he loves you. He weeps. That's powerful. But we also see a lot of sadness. The reason he weeps is sad. It's because the people of God in the place of God had completely missed God. Let me say that again. The people of God in the place of God had completely missed God. Let me get this out of my system real quick. You can sit on a bench uh, uh, for year after year after year after year inside of a temple. And you can sit inside of this house, another house of God. You can do that all of your life uh, and you can miss what God is doing. You can sit there and, and completely never get uh, and never understand uh, the power of God and how God's moving if you're not careful. Let me get some context this morning before we unwind because I feel like preaching today. Four days before Passover... I'm going to take you back four days and bring you all the way up here. Before Passover, the people of Israel, they were required to present their lambs to the priest. They had to be inspected. This was known as inspection day. The law of Moses prohibited Israelites from bringing a lamb from too far off. Because that lamb had to be unblemished. It had to be perfect. And they were to buy one once they entered into Jerusalem so that they could offer it to the priests as a Passover, Passover as an offering unto the Lord. In Jesus' day, the priesthood had become very corrupt. People would buy their lambs from the markets in Jerusalem and then they would bring them to the priest for inspection. But more times than one, the priest would pretend to find something wrong with the lamb. And when they found something wrong with the lamb, they would require them to sell that lamb for a fraction of what the lamb really was valued at. And then they would require them to buy a, another lamb, a lamb that would be approved by the temple authorities inside the temple at double the price. It was highway robbery. In other words, they would tell you, you wasn't good enough. The things you brought wasn't good enough. But if you'll buy what I'm selling, it will be good enough. You're just going to have to pay double the price and sell what yours, sell what you have. 
And Jesus is not happy about this. And this is the reason when you get down to verse 45 that he goes into the temple and becomes a madman and flips over tables and said, uh, doesn't it say that my father's house will be a house of prayer for you've turned it into a den of thieves? They were robbing the people. Also in this day, the first century, a lamb was chosen by the high priest outside of Jerusalem. And on the 10th day of the Jewish month, Nisan, this was inspection day or, or Palm Sunday as we know it. The, the, the priests would lead this lamb into the city while the crowds of worshipers lined the streets, waving palm branches and singing Psalm 118, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus, our Messiah, he enters into Jerusalem the very same day, riding on a donkey. In times of war, conquerors would ride in chariots or uh, 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 upon stallions. But in times of peace, the king would ride a colt to symbolize that peace had prevailed. So for Jesus to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey is to declare that the king is proclaiming that peace is in the house. He may have entered Jerusalem right behind the high priest. I don't know. But this is what I do know. The crowds that had been there at the entrance of the sacrificial lamb, they also was at the entrance of the Lamb of God. Jesus identified himself with the Passover sacrifice, being led into Jerusalem like a lamb that would be led to the slaughter, according to Isaiah 53. What I want you to understand about that day, enthusiasm filled the entire atmosphere. All of Israel knew that Jerusalem was the place where the Messiah would be put on his throne as king. Everyone in Israel was thinking about the feast. Everybody that knew anybody that was a part of anything was going to be at Jerusalem for Passover. It was a gathering of Israel, that of a memorial of the birth night of the nation. It goes all the way back to Exodus. Friends from far away would come to be a part of this celebration. New friends would be made. Offerings would be brought. Purification would be made. And all would worship in one grand and glorious temple, singing out praises unto God. Sounds like my kind of place. The high priest would then take the lamb to the temple where he would be tied in public. He would be tied up for all to see so that everybody could get a good look at the perfect lamb that would take away their sin. Jesus presented himself on this day he let the people and the priests get a good look of him as the Passover lamb. 
The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He made the crooked religious leaders angry. But many of the common people, they honored Him as King. Even if they uh, seemed to miss the fact that He did not conquer Rome. Something very emotional takes place right about here though. Something very significant begins to happen as the procession goes into Jerusalem. As Jesus looked over the crowds of people, I can only imagine in my mind that He probably saw some very familiar faces in the crowd. People that loved Him and He loved them. I can imagine that Bartimaeus may have been in the crowd cheering that day. The man who received his sight, the man that was no longer in beggar's rags, the man who had once sat on the curb begging for somebody to give him a piece of bread in rags. He now was seeing clear. He no longer had on rags, but he had on a robe. And I bet he was in that crowd that day and he was praising as he saw Jesus coming into Jerusalem. I bet Jesus looked at him. I... Got to thinking and probably Zacchaeus was in the crowd that day. Somebody who had met Jesus and then paid back his debt to society. If you know the story of Zacchaeus, Jesus told him to pay back what he had taken. And Zacchaeus made peace with God and done what he needed to do. I can imagine they were lepers all around that day. Can you imagine a leper that has never been able to celebrate Passover? Can you imagine a Jewish leper? Understand this morning, they had never been able to get inside of that kind of atmosphere. They were never able to get inside of the temple during the time uh, that the blood was going to be shed uh, uh, so that they could uh, be right with God. They never got a chance to do that because leprosy put them on the outside of the town. Uh, they never was good enough to come inside of the gates. They never was, or well, some of us, uh, we never was good enough to get inside of the gate. But thank God under Jesus for the blood that was shed that made us good enough. Those lepers were in the crowd that day, and I bet they were singing praises unto God. I bet they were looking at Jesus and saying, Thank God I'd been healed. Thank God my, my skin's been cleared up. Thank God I'm able to be here inside of the house of God to worship Him. I kept thinking... And I began to think, I bet Jairus' daughter was there. Hallelujah, I feel it coming. I bet the little girl that was dead, but Jesus lifted her up. I can imagine she was in that crowd. Boy, knowing that uh, she had died, but Jesus had come over her and said, Daughter, arise. I bet you she was in that crowd. Thank God I, I was dead too, but he lifted me up. I bet she was in that crowd that day and I bet you Jesus was looking at her. 
she had experienced death and come out alive. <laughs> I can imagine Lazarus and Mary and Martha and Mary Magdalene. I can imagine they were all there. Their lives reflecting the love that was in their hearts for this man named Jesus who had taught them, who had molded them, who had loved them and had changed them. I can imagine there were a lot of friendly faces in that crowd. But I also can imagine as Jesus looked around, he found some unfriendly faces. Hiding behind their long flowing robes and prayer shawls. I can imagine the Romans were there fearing that there could be a revolt and they were watching for any sign of any kind of rebellion against Rome. They were there ready to crush any kind of uprising that may take place that day. When we get to verse 37, we find that as they were drawing near, to descent of the Mount of Olives across the brook toward the gate that the crowds began to throng around Jesus. Worship was in the air. Praise was going on all around. The party is absolutely going crazy at this moment in time. The Pharisees, on the other hand, are mad. Palm branches are going everywhere. <laughs> Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, is being shouted everywhere. Coats and shawls and cloaks and all sorts of things have been laid out for the king to pass by on. The Pharisees get mad as we continue to look at this. And they look over at Jesus and they say, Jesus, you need to rebuke your disciples. Because the party is not about you. Huh. And Jesus says to them, if I rebuke, rebuke them, the rocks would cry out. Somebody's going to worship the Lord. As he approaches the city of God, Jerusalem, and he looks at the people of God, this is where we're at in verse number 41 now. All of this has taken place. And in verse 41, when he looks over the city of God and the people of God, the Bible says that he begins to weep over it. Now, some would tell you that he's weeping because of the suffering that he knew was about to take place. I'm sure that that was on his mind, but I don't believe that's the reason he was weeping. 
Because if you go back, he's already been in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's already had his time where he's crying out to God. And he's already had a time where he could have refused to enter into... He's already been there and done that, folks. Uh, his sweat has already become blood because uh, he's so broken heart. That's, uh, I, I believe that's on his mind, but that's not the reason he's weeping that day. Some would say that he knew that he was about to take on the sin of the world and there was about to be placed on his shoulders. And I'm sure that was on his mind. That God was going to turn his back on Jesus for the first time in his life. I'm sure that played on his mind. But he's already battled that. He's already come out victoriously because he said, God, not my will be done, but your will. He's already won that battle. So I don't believe that's it either. The Bible says that he looked down in verse 42 and he said, If you had known, even you, especially in your day, the things that make your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Mm. What Jesus is saying, and I believe why Jesus is weeping, you will not convince me of no other thing, is that when he looks down at them, he says, you've missed the move. You have missed what God is doing. You've completely Missed it. He said, this was your day, Jerusalem. People of God, this was your day. This was the day that the king was going to come rolling in to your life. This was the day that God was going to do something that he had never done before. This was the day the covenant was going to be changed. This was the day that grace was going to enter. This was the day that mercy was coming on. But yet, you've missed your day. And now it's hidden from your eyes. You say, preacher, why did he weep? It's because they missed what God was doing. They could not see it. The people of God are having the biggest party of their life. And yet the king of the party is the one weeping. And I just wonder if today is the same way. I just wonder if we've got so relaxed and we've got so caught up in our own little worlds of this is my weekend, this is my day off, this is my vacation, this is my money, this is my time, this is my church, this is my song, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. That the king of the universe, the one that stepped out on nothing and created everything, I just wonder if he simply looks down from heaven and he cries because he says, my people are missing the move. They're missing what I'm trying to do. I just wonder if God looks down and says we're so focused on us that we are actually missing what God is doing. Jesus wept 
over the place of God. He wept over the people of God because they had missed the move of God. Listen, church, don't miss the move of God. Don't miss it. It's not worth anything to miss what God's doing. They didn't see it. They didn't see it, folks. They didn't get it. They were there. And they were in the crowd. And they were shouting and they were praising and they were worshiping. But they had no idea what God was really doing. They didn't have enough spirituality. They didn't have enough discernment. They didn't have enough uh, of God on them to see that God was about to do something that was going to blow their mind. He was about to usher in another era. He was about to take the uh, cross, go to Calvary, die, descend, resurrect, go back to heaven, send a comforter, start the church, and glory was about to flow. And they had no idea because they'd missed it. Have you ever tried patiently to explain something to someone, but for some reason there was a mental block? Go ahead, brother. You've been there, haven't you? You've tried to talk to them, and you've tried to tell them, and you've tried to show them, and you've, the writing has been there in front of them. Everything was going on around them. All the cards lined up, and you were trying and trying and trying to show them. But yet, for some reason, they could not see it. I'm sure we've maybe have been on both sides of that situation before. That's what Jesus said. He said, your day is now hidden from you. In other words, you are blind to what is about to happen. So he wept. My concern this morning and my warning this morning is that we can get so caught up in me My four and no more. My opinions, what I think, this is how I see it. That we can actually get so caught up in our own selves that we miss what God is trying to do through us, through them, through His church. That's my concern. I want you to know this morning that you and I We have a responsibility to believe and trust that we serve a God that is always on the move. We should never get to the point in our walk with God that we begin to think God is just some old white-haired, white-bearded being somewhere in the outermost parts of the universe unconcerned about the things that go on in this world. He's disconnected from everything in my life and in your life. But let me say this this morning. 
He is God that is very much concerned. He is intimately involved with the affairs of your life and in my life and the nations of the world. He is a God that is always on the move. The Word of God itself is a complete detailed story of the God of heaven and earth that is constantly moving on our behalf. For those that would say this morning, preacher, I don't see it that way. I want to remind you of some things. You must not have ever read Genesis 1 and 1. Because the Bible says there in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And it was void. And it was full of darkness. But guess what happened? The Spirit of God moved upon the waters. And when the Spirit of God moved, uh, He ushered in light. Uh, Oh, I feel it coming. You must have never read Genesis 6 and 5. Because the Bible says when God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth that he actually repented of creating it. In other words, he was sorry for what he had done. He thought about that he would destroy the earth. But there was a man named Noah that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And when it looked like the world was going to hell in a handbasket, God moved upon a man's heart by the name of Noah and said, I want you to build a boat I'm about to do something for your people that's never been done before. I'm about to send some rain your way and everybody that gets inside of the boat, they're going to ride out the storm. When the world looked like it was in trouble, God moved on Noah. For others who say, I don't believe that preacher, I've got more where that come from. You must have never read 1st and 2nd Kings. There was a boy by the name of Josiah. When the nations of Israel had forsaken God, when they had turned to idols, when sin had filled the hearts of God's people, God moved and He touched the heart of a 16-year-old boy by the name of Josiah. He took the throne. He led Israel back to God. A 16-year-old boy, He brought the Word of God back. Uh, Through Him, He brought the Spirit of God back. And He brought the worship of Jehovah back. And it was uh, uh, the greatest season in the nation of Israel. And Israel. Why? Because God moved. You're still not convinced. You must have never read 1 Samuel about a boy named David. David was a shepherd boy, he was taking sandwiches to the army. You know the story. The army was cowered down under the coward king Saul. Goliath was taunting them, and Goliath was taunting their God. But God moved upon a shepherd boy, and he stood up and he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine going to sit there and badmouth my God? Oh, heaven help me. That's my God. I don't care how big he is. I got the power. 
God resting on me. He said, you come with a shield and a sword, but I come in the name of the Lord. And he got a rock and he slung that thing and bam! The Bible says, because God moved on a shepherd boy, that Israel chased the Philistines off the battlefield that day. David cut the head off the giant and took it back to camp and said, we got something to praise God about. Mm. You're still not convinced. I flip over into the New Testament. I see people that had moved from God. The priesthood had become polluted. The people had become more concerned with politics than God. The nation was divided. People were hurting. The poor was crying. The poor was dying. The lame was crying. The lame was dying. And in the midst of all the chaos and hell that was breaking loose, we find once again that God was on the move. A voice in the wilderness come crying out, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It wasn't a priest from Jerusalem that came out of the wilderness was the prophet by the name of John the Baptist uh, who was clothed uh, uh, in camel's hair and eating locusts and wild honey. He didn't come through the priesthood. He didn't come through the seminary. He came from God with a message from God to repent because the kingdom of God was on its way. You know what John comes saying? I'm going to tell you right here. John come out of the wilderness and he said, God has sent me to tell you God is on the move. He has heard your cries. He has seen your uh, problems. He's seen the situation. He knows that the priesthood ain't doing you no justice. There's one coming that's about to baptize you with fire. I'm going to dip you in water, but one's coming after me. He's going to fill you with something you ain't never had before. And as John was baptizing in the water, upon a hill came Jesus. And John began to cry out, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John was crying out, people, you listen to me. God's getting ready to do something. He's getting ready to move like he's never moved before. There he is coming. There's the one that's going to baptize you with fire. There's the one that's going to fill you with the power of the presence of the Holy Ghost of God. There's the one whose shoes I, I'm unworthy to fasten. There's the one that's going to do great and mighty things. There's the one! And when the people of God were in trouble, God moved. I know. It's, I, I, I haven't even got wound up yet. We may be here a while. 
you just buck. It's what God does. There is never a minute when God is not in control. There is never a minute when something catches him by surprise. There is never a minute when he's not all powerful. And there's never a minute when he is not moving. Everywhere Jesus went, God moved. The sick were healed because they got in on the move. The lost was found because they got in on the move. The broken was restored because they got in on the move. Captives were set free. Mothers were given their sons back. Homes were restored. And as he was moving, tax collectors got in on it. Fishermen got in on it. Lepers got in on it. Criminals got into it. Prostitutes got in on it. Widows got in on it. Sick people got in on it. Rich people got in on it. Poor people got in on it. And boy, if he was still walking the streets of Union today, drug addicts would get in on it. Harlots would get in on it. Homosexuals would get in on it. Hey, drunks would get in on it. If God was still smoothing. Because Jesus said he didn't come. Huh. Oh boy. Jesus said he didn't come for those who had their spiritual ducks in order. That ain't what Jesus said. Jesus said, I came for those that are messed up. He said, I come for those that are the most vile of all sinners. He said, I come for those that the world has looked down on. I come for those who are the most messed up. I come for those that the church has turned its nose up at. I come for those that are hurting the most. I come for those that have the most problems. I come for those who are sick. He said, I didn't come for those that had everything laid out and in order going to tell me how to run the show. I come for those that knew they couldn't handle it on their own and they were looking for somebody to bail them out. I come for those that would run to me, crawl to me. I come for those that needed help. Everywhere Jesus went, they came running to get in on the move. Everywhere Jesus went, they came running to get in on the move of God. See, if you get tired of dead things, you'll run to something that's alive. Hmm. Jesus, help me. If you get tired enough of dead things, you'll run to something that's alive. I'm tired of dead things that can't help me. I better move on. I got a long way to go. There were a group of people in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, though I read about, that did not get in on the move. And it wasn't the worst people. You see, the worst people got in on the move. Even the centurion that crucified Jesus got in on the move. After he had crucified Jesus, 
He looked up and said, Surely this must be the Son of God. He crucified the Son of God and then got in on the move. There was a criminal right beside him on the cross. He got in on the move when he said, Surely, Jesus, surely you're the Son of God. And Jesus said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. But it was the religious crowd that didn't get in on the move. They had prayed for his coming. They had the Torah and they had read that the Messiah was coming. But when the Messiah arrived, they missed the move. You listen to me this morning, church. The greatest enemy of what will be is the comfort of what has been. The greatest enemy of what God wants to do is the comfort that we enjoy today. We get so comfortable... God wants to do something, it takes us out of our comfort zone, and we say, God, we can't do that. Because I'm too comfortable. It may cost me to it may cost me to sacrifice a little bit, God. I can't do that. It may cost me uh, 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 to give up my day off. I can't do that. It may cost me to turn off the TV. I can't do that. It may cost me to do something I don't want to do, God. I can't do that. And if I can't do that, you can't do that. When Jesus was weeping, He was weeping because they had missed a divine opportunity to get in on the move of God, but they refused. They're supposed to be celebrating their king, but they're planning his death. So I said all of that to say this. Why did they miss the move of God? Yeah. Why they missed the move of God? That's my introduction. We're ready to roll now. Number one, if you're taking notes with me. They missed the move of God because many times God moves through people and according to them, God was moving through the wrong people. If you're ever going to get in on the move, you're going to have to put your spiritual ears on so that you can hear what the Spirit is saying. And you're going to have to put your spiritual eyes on and see what the Spirit of God is doing. I'm reminded of Samuel the prophet. He almost missed the move of God because when he went looking for the king, he couldn't find nobody. All he found was a little shepherd boy by the name of David. And Samuel looked up at God and said, Hey, this has got to be the wrong person. You know the story there. If you don't, let me tell you. Samuel went through every son. David was last. He went to the biggest son first and said, That must be the king right there. God said, Nope. He went to the second boy in line and said, That must be the king right there. 
God said, nope. He went to the third. He went to the fourth. Finally, he got to the smallest, youngest, wimpiest boy of all and said, you've got to be kidding. That can't be the king. And God said, there he is. He almost missed the move of God. God reminded him, I look at the heart, not on the outside. See, God knew what David was made of. He knew what David had purposed in his heart. He looked like a child on the outside, but on the inside he was a king. My heaven's alive. I'm looking at some folks today. You may look like something on the outside, but inside, God's got something great on the inside. There's something inside of you that hell itself can't defeat. It's the power of the presence of the living God. And if you ever tap into what God's placed inside of here, the devil will shiver when you get out of bed in the morning. They'll say, oh God, he's got up again. Somebody else is going to be one to Jesus today. He's got up. Somebody else is going to be delivered today. He's got up. Somebody else is going to find Jesus. He's got up. Not because of who you are, but because of who's inside of you. They missed the move because it was the wrong person. The people looked at Jesus. Huh? And said, surely, this right here cannot be the king. Because look what he's doing. He's hanging out with the wrong people. I feel God right here. Watch, watch this. Oh, heaven, Jesus, help me. David... Before I break this thing, David was king way before the people allowed him to be king. I'm going to say that to this side because y'all didn't get it. David was king way before the people allowed him to be king. When he was a shepherd boy taking sandwiches to the troops, he was already king. Not because some man, woman, boy, or girl put him in the office, because when he come out his mama's womb, he was anointed by the power of God that one day he was going to sit on the throne. Hey, I'm telling you today, it ain't about what people say. It's about what God has placed inside of you. I don't care what the world, I don't care what nobody said. I know what God put inside of me. I don't need no approval. Who do you think, who do we think we are sometimes? Who do we think we are to try to say what God can and do with whom God can do it? Who do we think we are? Listen to this preacher this morning. It's not my it's not it's not our job to run the show. Oh heaven help me out. Jesus, I didn't want to go here, but it's coming. 
It's not our job to control and it's not our job to run the show. Our job is pretty simple. Our job is to follow Jesus. Our job is to trust God. And when He's on the move, our job is to have an abundance of faith and get in on the move. It's not our job to question everything. It's not our job to share our opinions about everything. Our job is simple. It is to follow Him and get in on the move. That's our job. Somebody needs to give God praise this morning. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to give Him praise because that's our job. That's our job. And when God's moving, our job is not to question how God... I'm about to sling this thing. It's not our job to question how God's going to do it. Noah didn't say, God, I don't know how you're going to build a boat. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Noah got a stinking hammer and went and made some nails because he didn't go to a hardware store. So he made his own nails and he got some wood and he began to hammer and hammer saying, God, I don't understand how this is going to work. But bless God, if you told me to build a boat, I'm going to build a boat. I'm going to get it on the move. I'm going to do it. But boy, we question everything. How's God going to do it? How's it going to happen? Well, God, I need a blueprint. I need a... God said, it ain't your job to worry about that. Your job is just to get in on what I'm doing. Just get in on what I'm doing. If you get in on what I'm doing, everything else will work out. I feel like preaching. I don't know who we think we are. Last time I checked, God, oh, God used two murderers and he didn't ask nobody's opinion about it. Who are you talking about? I'm talking about Moses and Paul. Two of the greatest influence you'll find throughout the scriptures other than Jesus himself. And God did not ask your permission if he could use Moses. And God did not ask my permission if he can use Paul. All of a sudden, he moved on them and God bless it. They got in on the move and he used them. And last time I checked, God used two women to make them prophets. Oh, I'm going to get somebody here. He used two women to lead a whole nation. He didn't ask your opinion. He didn't ask my opinion. He used them and they got in on the move. Oh, I could go on all day if you want me to. Last time I checked, he used two harlots, prostitutes, night walkers. He used two of them. Mary Magdalene was one, and then, oh boy, uh, oh, how will, he used two of them. And he didn't ask my opinion about it. He didn't say, Preacher Damon, do you think it's okay if I use a prostitute to do something great and mighty for my glory? He didn't ask me that. He moved on them, and they got in on the move. Rahab was the other one. You remember that story? <laughs> She hid the spies. 
she was a harlot. And God didn't ask my opinion about it. God didn't ask my opinion about using tax collectors. God didn't ask my opinion about using drug abusers. God didn't ask my opinion about using drunks. God didn't ask my opinion uh, about using those that were loose in their loafers. God didn't ask my opinion about anything. God moved on them and they got in on the move. Peter almost missed the move of God. Over in the book of Acts, thank you, Lord. Peter went up on the rooftop to pray. It was about the lunch hour. A sheet, read your Bible, a sheet came out of heaven and it was filled with all kinds of unclean food. In other words, God put out a picnic for Peter. And he told Peter to eat. And Peter said, Nope, I'm Jewish. I will not eat that unclean food. Again, God looked at Peter and said, Peter, eat. Again, Peter said, nope, we'll not do it. We'll never do it. A third time, God said, eat. And Peter said, I've done told you, I will never eat unclean food. And then God rebuked him and said, I dare you call unclean what I've called clean. Let me say it. I dare you to try to put a lid on what I'm trying to do, Peter. If you're going to have anything to do with me, you're going to have to eat. Can I say I dare us to try to put a lid on what God's doing with whom God's doing it with? I dare us. Try to stop the move. He said, Peter, I dare you get in my way. Peter, I dare you to try to stop what I'm doing. Peter, I'm going to give you one more chance. You can either eat or you can miss the move. Oh, I feel God right there. He's speaking to people and saying you can either eat or miss the move. You can either eat or you can miss what I'm wanting to do. You can't put a lid on God and miss what is and still get in on the move. God's going to be God whether we like it or not. Number two, I, I'm moving. I don't want to rock the boat too much today. Number two, they miss the move because God often moves in different places. And according to them, it was the wrong place. Now, let me dignify myself for a moment, get my composure back together. I would have thought that he would start in Jerusalem because that was the temple, right? It makes perfect sense, right? But we're going to the wilderness. I would have thought he would have used a priest 
But nope, he was using a prophet. I would have thought that he would have had a nice suit on, he would have had shiny shoes on, and he would have had a hard part. But nope, I'm wrong again. He's coming out of the wilderness. He's clothed in camel's hair. He's eating locusts and wild honey. And he's looking like a crazy man. And here's the thing. Everybody left the city in order to go to the wilderness to find out what God was doing. Except for some folks. Listen, this is deep. Why does God move in different places with different people in different ways? Watch this. I'm thankful for the old wells of God. Very thankful for them. But oftentimes, we begin to put our faith in the old wells and forget who supplies the water. In other words, we begin to put more faith in what used to be than what God is doing right now. Because it don't matter if it come out of the old well or a new spigot. The water's still supplied by the same person. One of you got that, praise God. We begin to lose our hunger for God. It's not about the well. It's about the hunger for God. And in the wilderness, they were hungry. In the city, in the church, they were comfortable. See, when you get hungry, God will come to where you're at. When you get hungry, you'll run to where God's at. But as long as you stay comfortable, you'll sit on the pew of do nothing. But when you get hungry enough, somebody help. When you get hungry enough, you'll do whatever it takes to get to where he's at. The most dangerous thing that can ever happen to us is that we get entitled to the next just because we've had it before, just because I've experienced a move of God before does not entitle me that it's ever going to happen again. It's up to me to stay hungry. It's up to me to stay prayed up. It's up to me to keep looking for God. It's up to me to keep running to Him. I don't care if He's in the wilderness. I don't care if He's in the city. I don't care if He's in the bathroom. I don't care if He's in the sewer. It's up to me to run and find Him. It ain't up to me to sit around and be comfortable. They missed God because he was moving in a different place. My fear today that if we are not careful, we are going to miss what God is doing because instead of being hungry, we're going to get comfortable. I'm afraid that we're going to begin to tell God how He can move, where He can move, and who He can move through if we're not careful. 
You say, preacher, that would never happen. Well, it happened in the oh, it happened in the New Testament when they said, "Has anything good ever come out of Nazareth? Has anything?" You remember that? When Jesus went to his hometown, and the Bible says that he couldn't do anything because there was no faith in him. I'm afraid we'll get used to a procedure and miss out on what God is really doing. They they missed the move because it was in the wrong place with the wrong people. Number three, and I'm going to get you out of here. I thank you. Thank you, Lord. But thank you, too, for being patient with me this morning. Thank you. Number three. They missed the move because it was the wrong procedure. Watch this now. In other words, he didn't do it their way. Oh, help me, Jesus. I I, I waited best for last. Jesus did not do it their way. I feel good. Oh, boy. Procedures. Sometimes without us even knowing it, we tell God He has to do it a certain way. We don't even realize that's what we're doing. But we tell God that there's only one way you can move God. This is the way we've always done it. Everything has to be this way because my way is the best way. And if we don't do it my way, God, you've got to hit the highway. Let me tell you, uh, you don't want to miss the move when God moves just because you want to do it your way. I need three people. I need three people. Give me three. This, give me three people. Billy, will you be one of my people? Will you come right up here? Come right up here. Daryl, will you be one of my people? Dennis, will you be one of my people? Thank you. Give them a hand as they come around this morning. Three people. Just stand right up here and look that way. Okay. Okay. Talking about procedures. Many things... Jesus did, but, but I'm reminded of three things that he did when he healed three different blind people. This is, oh, help me, Jesus. Watch. In John's gospel, in John's gospel, Billy, you're going to be John's gospel. Billy, I need you to shut your eyes because you're blind. Billy is blind. In John's gospel, Jesus spits on the ground. And he makes mud pies. And he puts them on the blind man's face, on his eyeballs. And then he tells the blind man to go to the pool to wash his face. I don't know if that bothers you or not, but it kind of stuck out to me. Because he put mud pies on a blind man's face... And then he told the blind man to go to the pool. It does not say somebody led him to the pool. It just says, go to the pool. A blind man with mud on his face going to the pool. But then I got to looking and studying that out. 
The pool is called Salom, meaning being sent. And what I found out is this. Even a blind man, when he's sent by Jesus, he can find the breakthrough that he needs in his life. Not because of who he is, but because Jesus sent him. He used mud pies in a pool on Billy. Billy, you can open up your eyes now. Billy's healed. Then I got to looking at Mark's gospel. In Mark's gospel, Daryl, you're, you're in Mark's gospel. Shut your eyes, you're blind. In Mark's gospel, he does something different. He touches his eyes. He don't put mud pies on him. He touches his eyes, and the Bible says immediately the blind could see. You can see now. He's, he's healed. Matthew's gospel. Dennis, you're blind. Shut your eyes. In Dennis's, in Dennis's gospel. Uh, Matthew's gospel, he does something totally different. He don't touch. He don't make mud pies. But he speaks to the blind man. And says, open your eyes. And he's healed. You, be, you can be seated. Give him a hand again. Jesus heals three different blind men. Three different ways. I did not hear Dennis cry about mud pies not being put on his face. I did not hear Daryl cry because he didn't speak and make his eyes open. All I know was three different blind men Jesus touched three different ways and every one of them had the same response. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for opening my eyes. You see, it's all about a procedure. It don't matter how God does it. Just as long as he does it, it don't matter how he moves. He'll move the way he wants to move. He just wants us to get it on the move. And I believe he done it that way for that reason. You really want me to blow your mind? There's another blind man that he don't make mud pies. He don't speak. He don't touch he spits on him. See, Holy Ghost, if Holy Ghost of God wants to spit on me, I'll let him spit on me all day long. But boy, you better be anointed from God if you spit on me. We either going to have revival or a fight if you spit on me. Okay. I did all... The first man didn't care. The second man didn't care. The third man didn't care about how God done it. They were just happy God did it. If you feel like God can only move in one way, let me tell you something. You need to get your eyes off of the procedure and get them back on Jesus. Your methods will change, but the message will never change. The healing did not change, but how he healed changed. Many missed the move because of how he was moving. He was moving outside of what they thought he should do. 
They were only willing to let God be God as long as they approved what God was doing. Let me say that again. They missed the move because they were only let God be God as long as they approved. Let me say that one more time. They missed the move because they were only letting God be God as long as they approved. Let me close with this. I know you're hungry. I've preached enough for the day and the night. Listen to me, though. Listen to me, please, church. Listen to me. God is doing great things in our church. God is doing great things in our church. I've bragged on these things to... I'll be honest with you. I've bragged on these things to every one of my preacher's friends. I'm not bragging on people, but I am bragging on things that God is doing. I said, I said, yeah. <laughs> I said, God just put it on their heart. They went and bought a set of drums. And now they got drums. I said, we ain't had no, we ain't really had no instruments in, 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 in two years, as long as I've been here. I said, God just moved and we got drums now. I've been bragging on you all week to, my, to, to some of my preacher friends, not by name, not by... I said, yeah, we had some, some new sound, uh, visual equipment installed. And I, I said, I said, in the, I said, and the electrician told, told me himself, if he hadn't have been the one that installed it, he never would have come. But he installed it, and he's been here ever since. I said, God is doing some great things. I've been bragging on some more things. I said, we've had people on Sunday night that have never had Sunday night. We've had people on Wednesday night we've never had on Wednesday nights. I said, we've had people traveling from far out to come to the house of God. I said, God is doing some great things at our church. And I've been so, so excited. But church, don't miss the move. Don't miss what God's doing, please. Don't miss it. Because it may be a different person. It may be a different place. It may be a different procedure. But God is moving. We do not have to approve it. We have to get in on the move. There's some here this morning... You need to put all your stuff aside. Now you listen to me. You listen to me. I talked about Ben, Dennis. And I've bra- help me, Jesus. I said, I said, I said, yeah, a man got saved not long ago on a Wednesday night. I was telling one of my friends this, Russell, I'm preacher friends, and I said, I said, you know how he got to our church. He said, how? I said, a guy at our church bought him a pack of cigarettes. I said, he bought him a pack of cigarettes. He said, I, he said, he asked me for a cigarette. I told him I don't smoke. But I'll tell you what, if you'll come to church with me tonight, I'll buy you a whole pack. <laughs> and he wanted a cigarette pretty bad because he come to the house of God. Hallelujah. Unto, can I say, it's a different procedure. I've never seen it done that way. But God moved. God moved.
knocking on doors may not work. I may have to buy him a pack of cigarettes, but God moved. There's some here today. You need to put everything aside and you need to get in on the move. There's some here this morning you got personal problems. You got problems with other people. You need to fix it and get in on the move. You got pro- there's some jealousy. You need to fix it. You need to get in on the move. There's some hatred. You need to fix it. You need to get in on the move. There's some backbiting. You need to fix it. You need to get in on the move. Some gossip. You need to squash it. You need to get in on the move. My way is the only way. You need to fix it. You need to get in on the move. There's some control freaks. You need to let go and you need to get in on the move. And there's some here today. Jesus is calling you out of your way into a new way and you're scared, but you need to not be scared. God did not give you the spirit of fear, but of sound mind. You need to believe. You need to trust and you need to get into Jesus and get Get in on the move. You stand this morning. Get us a song of invitation. I'm done. Every head bowed, every eye closed. All over this house this morning. Maybe by chance, maybe by chance, there's someone here today and you are not saved. You've never come into a relationship with Jesus. You need to get in on the move right now. Right now, you need, you need to quit putting it off and get in on the move. You need to come. I'm speaking right now. As I'm talking, you need to get in on the move because God's speaking to you and He's telling you to get in on the move. There's some... There's some that you've grown cold and distant on God. You are not where you was five years ago or even last year. You need to get in on the move right now. You need to put your pride aside. You need to put all this other stuff aside. And you need to get in on the move of God because God's moving. The Bible says this, if we will confess, He's faithful and just to forgive. If we'll come, He's faithful and just to receive. I'm calling somebody to get in on the move this morning. Get in on the move. Father, in Jesus' name, I come before you today as humble as I can. God, I thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing in our church, Lord. But God, I know that there's some here today that need to get in on the move. And I pray and plead with you, Lord Jesus, that you speak to their hearts, change lives, whether it be on the way uh, of the internet or whether it be in this house today. God, there's some that need to get in on the move. Father, I pray you'd speak to them. Have your way, Jesus. In your name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. You come this morning if there's a need. I've done all I can do, church. I have done all that I can do. I've preached under the power and the anointing of God today. Not in my strength, but in His strength. And I know God's speaking. I know God's doing great things. But we got to get in on the move.
My opinions don't really matter. What God says was what matters. God's not mad at you. The preacher's not mad at you. I just don't want you to miss what God's doing. I don't want you to leave His place missing the greatest. He said, Oh, good, help me, Jesus. He said, Especially in this, your day, the things that make your peace. He said, This is your day. This is your peace. It's today. Get in on the move. He said, today, get in on the move. The things you've lost today, get it back. Get it back. He said, I'm moving all around. I need you to get it back. You've lost strength. You need to get it back. You've lost happiness. You've lost joy. You've lost, you need to get it back. You've lost the fire in your bones. You need to get it back. You need to get it back. Because God's going to do some things. You need to get it back. Preacher, you preach too long or I'd get it back. That ain't no excuse. Get it back. Get it back. Get it back. Get it back. Get in on what God's doing. Get it back. Get it back. Get in on what He's doing.